All right, well, get your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And today, we're beginning a new series uh, that, that is really an Advent series, and I've never uh, been able to do Luke chapter 1. I've never been able to do an Advent series, I, not because I haven't, I've just never felt impressed. And, and we're actually, for an Advent series, starting a little bit early. Uh, usually, Advent kind of comprises the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, uh, but I love me some Christmas, and so we're just going to start a couple weeks early, get warmed up. I, I just I love everything about Christmas. I love uh, families being together. I love the music. Uh, Jan and I were out of town a couple days this week, and we, as we were driving out of town, I had on all the Christmas music on my Spotify, and uh, and I said, you know, I just I'm sorry, I'm a big elf. You know, we got to start this once November hits, it's like time for Christmas music, everybody. You know, and so I don't know that she's as enthused about that as I am, but. I'm I'm very enthused, and we're praying for her. And so, um, but anyways, I just love Christmas. And as we were getting ready for this season and just praying about, obviously, I always pray about what God wants me to speak. I felt like the Lord led me to kind of the idea of Advent. And so we're doing a series um, that's based on Advent called Great Expectations. And this was really what the Lord put in my heart. Um, and I really have an anticipation that God is moving and that God is speaking, and I just want to be a part of it. And really, that kind of really is thematically similar with the Christmas story about God speaking and God moving. And so we'll kind of use the Christmas story, and we'll be talking about different elements of that, but at the same time talking about uh, what God is speaking to us and how God is even moving among us. And so in Luke chapter 1, why don't you stand? Uh, as far as the, the birth account of Jesus, really Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel give us the greatest picture. Uh, Mark's gospel uh, doesn't really have the birth of Jesus. He kind of jumps immediately to John the Baptist. Um, and, uh, and then John's gospel goes all the way back to the beginning, and the beginning was the Word, and then he kind of comes back, and John's gospel is really completely different than what we call the synoptic gospel. But Luke and Matthew give us great imagery around the birth of Christ, and we're going to read some of that today. It's probably very familiar to you, but this is where the angel Gabriel comes and speaks to Mary about the birth of Jesus. So we're going to read a significant portion of Scripture, but that's okay. We're in church, all right, everybody? And so verse 26, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who was engaged or betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She was like, hey, this is strange. I was just cleaning house and there's, boom, there's a big angel in here telling me I'm going to have a baby. That's, you'd have questions too, wouldn't you? I mean, most of us would. It says, but when she saw him, she was troubled. Verse 30, then the angel said to her, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, when the angel tells Joseph that his name will be Jesus, he, he elaborates and says, because he will save his people from their sin. But here, Gabriel starts to call his name Jesus. Verse 32, he will be great. He will be called the son of the, of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign 
over the house of Jacob forever, kind of like we sang this morning. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month to her who was called Barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. That may be your word for the day. You may need to underline that in your Bible. With God nothing will be impossible. And then Mary, Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. And then I just want to read two verses here. Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, for all that you're speaking. God, we're grateful today that we can gather in your house with your people. And God, just as we worship today, we can actually sense and know your presence. Lord, you are here and we are here. And that's a great combination. So God, we just ask as we lean in, Lord, help us to receive your word today and hear what you would have us to hear. And Lord, let it be transformative to our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Advent, Advent. Probably all of you have heard the term Advent. We, We typically hear it around this season. Um, it's obviously more associated with Christians and church. Advent was actually probably first recognized in the fourth century uh, in church, and it really had to do uh, with the celebration of the coming of Christ, meaning the birth of Christ. And, and it began to be celebrated really as the beginning of the Christian year. Um, and it would be celebrated with 40 days of prayer and fasting and penance. And they would recount the, like the first miracle of Jesus. And they would recount the wise men. They would recount the baptism of John the Baptist. And it was an emphasis even on evangelism as they would baptize new Christians uh, into faith. And so that's kind of where it began. And then... Um, And then later, the Catholic Church in the 6th century kind of said, well, hey, Advent, which actually means coming, uh, Advent, the the Latin root is Adventus. Uh, In the Greek, it would be parousia, but it all means coming, the anticipation of the arrival of someone significant. That's the idea of Advent. And because of that, the Catholic Church then began to kind of ascribe the meaning of Advent to the second coming of the Christ. And they said, yes, Advent means Christ has come. Um, but, but Advent also means Christ is coming. And really today, even though mostly because it's celebrated around Christmas, we celebrate the, the, the first kind of interpretation or meaning, which is the coming of Christ in that his birth, it still is very much applied to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. And I think that is not stated enough in churches, and I just want to make that point. That's not the message, but I want you to live with an awareness and an understanding that Jesus Christ is coming back, and that should impact how we live, and that should impact our faith and our values and and just life in general and our decisions. So I just want you, Pathway, hear me, live expecting, understanding, and looking for the return of Christ. And so when we're talking about Advent, we're talking about that, just the anticipation 
the anticipation of the arrival of Christ. And in this season, our church, as I was thinking and praying, and the Lord was speaking to me, just really, and that's where I really try to begin all messages, is just, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to our church? I just realized the the Lord had been speaking a lot about things he is doing and things he is going to do. And I felt like, well, if, if we're really anticipating that God is coming and God is moving and God is speaking, then that anticipation always leads to preparation. In fact, I call this message the preparation of anticipation, meaning that the fruit of anticipation is preparation. In other words, If I'm really anticipating and expecting, I mean, we see it here in the Christmas story. It's why I read about how Mary went to be with Elizabeth because as she now is anticipating the arrival of this, you know, prophesied son, this holy son, she then moves that anticipation into preparation. I think the fruit of anticipation is preparation. If you want to know if you're really anticipating God working in your life, look and see if you're really preparing for God to work in your life. Are you with me? Because I think so many times we're like, well, I want God to move in my life and I want God to speak in my life and I wish God would do something in my life. And my question is, but are you prepared? If you're really praying, you're really believing, having faith, if you're anticipating God's doing something, then there should be preparation is the fruit. Uh, No greater analogy or illustration than that of if you're welcoming a baby into your home. Maybe that's through, uh, obviously, a baby being born, but also it could be through adoption. We've welcomed children into our home both ways. And every time, I especially remember the first one. How many of you are freaked out about the first one because you don't know anything, right? You don't know anything, and then this little person is going to be in your house, and you're going to figure it out, you know? But I just remembered I wanted to be a good dad. So uh, have you ever baby-proofed a house? I baby-proofed everything. I mean, every socket. You couldn't plug anything in in our house. You couldn't get any drawer open in our house. Like, you couldn't do anything. I mean, I, you know, I screwed the furniture into the floor. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, we're, we are prepared for this little thing that's going to show up and blow everything up, you know, and that preparation. You know, this week we're preparing because we have family like many of you coming in for Thanksgiving. And, and so Jana is uh, obviously always wanting to make sure everybody's well fed. Uh, and so we have bought all the groceries in Longview so far and probably going to buy some more. And so I just say that to say, if you can't find some cranberry or some pumpkin or something you need, number one, I'm sorry. And number two, call us. Uh, we have it. And, um, and we'll give it back. You know what I'm saying? We'll give it back. It's going to be like the toilet paper thing of COVID. You know what I'm saying? Like all the pumpkins at our house. Anyways, but the point is, when you're anticipating, you prepare And here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about preparing for what God is going to do and what God is doing. And I want to talk about how God, as a church pathway, God is obviously working among us and God is moving. And I want us to be prepared for all that God wants to to do. But individually, I want to apply this individually to your lives to say, I believe God wants to work in your life. I believe God has a plan and a purpose in your life. And I believe God is actually working that even if you don't see it 
I still trust that he is because God is always working and God is actually always moving and God is never, never absent from us. He will never leave us or forsake us and God has a plan that ties to the second coming of Christ and we, listen to me, you and I are a part of that plan. So on that basis alone, the fact that God has a plan that ties into his second coming of Christ and the second coming of Jesus and the fact that we're believers and we're a part of that plan, that God is working among us and God is wanting to work through us. And so I want to talk about preparing, if you will, that preparation of anticipation. How can we prepare for God to move in our lives? How does God move in our lives and where does it start and what does it look like? So three things that I want to tell you today. I, right, I always like for you to take notes, just whatever God's speaking, um, but I think it helps us remember. And so uh, if, you're, if you have notes, if you're writing notes, you can write this down. And if you're not taking notes, just go ahead and take notes. You'll feel better about life. You know what I'm saying? Just take my word on it. But write this down. Number one, when we're preparing for what God wants to do, number one, it really starts with hearing God's voice. In other words, I set myself to hear from the Lord. Um, that's what we see here in Luke chapter one. In fact, the, the Christmas story is full of people hearing from God. But, but we saw this, Luke one twenty eight. it says, And having come in, the angel said to her, what I have learned is that when God is wanting to work, when God is desiring to move, listen to me, he always speaks first. He always speaks first. In fact, Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says this, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants the prophets. In other words, when God wants to do something, when God wants to work in your life, even when you say, God, work in my life, one of the first things God is going to do is he's going to speak. We see it around the Christmas story. If you count it up, God spoke to seven different people or groups of people. And really, you could put an eighth one in there, meaning God spoke to Zechariah, uh, Zacharias, God spoke to, to, to Mary, God spoke to Elizabeth, God spoke to Joseph, um, God spoke to the angels, I'm sorry, the angels spoke to the shepherds, so God spoke to the shepherds, God spoke to uh, the prophetess Anna, God spoke to the prophet Simeon, and God showed the magi, or the wise men as we know them, a big star in the sky, so he was speaking to them through a sign, and so God spoke the, the whole story, like here it is, it's come to this culmination in fact, what's so funny is, if you think about it, I shouldn't say funny, but maybe ironic, um, between the conclusion of the Old Testament canon, meaning the Old Testament books, and the beginning of Matthew, we have about 400 years that God is not speaking in a divine or inspired way. In other words, we have 400 years that's not Scripture. Now, there are certainly writings in this time, what we call the Apocrypha, like uh, the Maccabees and some of the other writings of this time, but they were not considered or inspired as Scripture. And so a lot of times theologians will call that 400 years the silent years. So if you think about it, God has worked in the Old Testament. 
He's gotten the world to a place that now he's just waiting for the right time. Galatians said, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law, right? So God is waiting for that time, and God's really not speaking as far as to his prophets in an inspired way that, that would be considered scripture. And then all of a sudden, it's time. There's an anticipation. This is the hour of Christ's birth, and God starts talking to everybody. He's putting stars in the sky. He's sending angels out to shepherds. I mean, God is talking to everybody. The first thing God does is he speaks. And so if I'm looking for God to work in my life, I'm expecting God to work in my life. I first need to make sure that I'm tuned in and I'm trying to hear God and I'm listening for his voice. I have to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm guilty. I don't know if you're guilty of this, but sometimes I'm guilty of having my quiet time and just praying and, and I, I worship and I pray and I read the Bible. And then because of time or whatever, it's like, well, I have to move on with my day. And I never really give God an opportunity to talk. Wouldn't it be weird to have a relationship with someone and they come over and they talk for an hour and never stop talking and then they just leave? Some of you are like, I have that friend. <laughs> that's Aunt Gertrude. You know, she's part of the family, Pastor. But isn't that strange? It's like you keep that. Well, I, and then they're like, okay, bye. We have to remember God created us for a relationship. And it would be very strange for God to want us to pray to him, want us to talk to him, but yet for him to never talk to us. I mean, when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray, he didn't say, well, you don't need to do that, really, because God's never going to talk back, right? I've heard some people being, you know, even great pastors and theologians kind of speaking against the fact that we can hear God and make it sound like, well, you can't hear God because Scripture is closed. And why I believe the canon is closed, I'm not talking about writing the Bible. I'm talking about living in a relationship with Jesus. And if God is living and his word is living and I'm living, then we live in a relationship with him. And we can anticipate God to hear. And we can make time for God to hear. Now, I know when I talk about hearing God, a lot of people say, well, Pastor, that's not as easy as it sounds. I understand. It's, it's not always easy to hear God um, because sometimes we have to deal with, does God really speak? Does God not speak? How does God speak? I'm trying really hard to hear God speak, but I've never heard God speak. I just want to talk for just a second. I can't teach a lot on this, but let me give you kind of some pro tips, if you will. The, the first thing is you need to understand that God does speak and you were created to hear God. I want you to maybe write that down. I was created to hear God. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. We're going to read this verse in a little bit, but John 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. So Jesus believes you can hear him. You may want to write that down. Jesus believes I can hear him, right? So maybe if I'm struggling with faith, I can use a little bit of Jesus' faith because Jesus believes I can hear him. But what does it mean to hear God? See, for us, when we talk about hearing, because we have five senses for most of us, we typically kind of relegate the idea or concept of hearing to how you're hearing my voice right now. And how you're hearing my voice right now is obviously my vocal cord. My thought, my, my brain is forming thoughts and it's sending the messages. My vocal cords then are vibrating. That vibration is traveling through the air and that vibration then is hitting your eardrum and your eardrum vibrates and then your brain interprets that and turns it back into the words or the syllables or the symbols uh, that I'm speaking. But that's not 
really how God speaks to us. Jesus said, God is spirit. God is spirit. So you need to understand that God speaks spirit to spirit, not necessarily vocal cord to eardrum. Right? So when I say I'm created to hear God, I could even say it this way. I'm recreated to hear God because God resurrects his spirit inside of me. His spirit bears witness with my spirit. That's another way God speaks to me. And now I can communicate with God spirit to spirit. That, that God now, he speaks, and I'm going to give some of the ways he speaks. But what I want you to understand is when we're talking about hearing God, if you're walking around expecting your eardrum to vibrate, you probably will not hear God. There's only been one time in my life that I can remember um, where I literally heard God in a way that I thought my eardrum vibrated. I mean, it was so just so pronounced, you know. But I realized my eardrum didn't actually vibrate because no one I was in the room with uh, we were in a prayer meeting, and no one I was in the room with um, heard what I heard. So I realized, okay, well, that, it wasn't actually physical as I thought it was, but yet it was very real to me, and God was speaking and giving me direction. But I need you to understand, you speak spirit to spirit, or God speaks spirit to spirit. Let me also help you with this. I think um, with God, God is always speaking. And you know why I say that? Because according to the Bible, he holds the world, the universe really would be the right word, together with the words that he speaks. So what the Bible actually implies is if God stops talking, everything's going to fall apart. Right? Kind of gives us kind of a good picture for our life. You want to keep your life together? Hear God. You know, if you stop hearing God, things can go awry. You know what I'm saying? So we should hear God. But... Um, I think God is always speaking, but I think we have to learn to tune in. And this is that spirit-to-spirit part. In other words, like right now, you know, we, for a little while longer, we still have radios that have radio waves. And you guys understand the analogy that in this room right now, you know, radio stations exist, but we would have to have something to tune in. We'd have to have the right receiver to tune in to what's being transmitted. And then even though right now we hear nothing, if I brought in an old radio and tuned it in, we could hear any number of different stations, right? I think it's the same way with God. The, the frequency is the Spirit of God, right? That's the frequency. And I have to learn to tune in via that frequency to what God is speaking. But I think God's talking a lot more than maybe we even understand. And I think that frequency many times is categorized or should be characterized as a frequency of rest. Now, here's been my experience. Um, if I'm trying really hard to hear God and I'm really focused really hard on hearing God and I'm putting a lot of strife and effort into it, I really struggle to hear God. But if I can rest, first of all, in my confidence in Him and I can rest in the presence of the Lord and I can kind of rest in my faith that God will speak and I can hear and this is not about my striving. I'm not earning my place with him. I'm not working myself up to here. I'm not, it's not about any of those things. It's just a confidence and a rest. It's a rest that only comes really when we have the right faith. To be honest, faith produces rest. And so when I really believe that God is 
wanting to speak, that God loves me, that God has a plan, that, that God is not, you know, in other words, I'm not asking God a whole lot. You know, anytime my kids, like the other day, my oldest son sent me a text. He's like, and you know, he's in Arizona at college. And he said, hey, dad, you got some time to talk? I want to run something by you. I text him right back. I said, yeah, I'm free all afternoon. No appointments. Whenever you call, I'll be ready. Just give me a buzz. Why? Because I'm a father. And if he wants to hear my voice, I'm ready to speak. Well, your God is a father. And, and if you believe that and you have faith in him and you rest in that and you say, God, I just want to hear you. I'm telling you, your father's going to show up and say, well, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to give you counsel. I'd love to give you wisdom. I'd love to give you my opinion. I would love to give you my word. And so if I can, if I can tune in and rest spirit to spirit, I can hear God. Let me give you a few ways that God speaks really quickly. You can write these down. Number one, God speaks through scripture. Uh, I had someone tell me one time, said, Pastor, I never hear God. And I say, well, is your Bible open or closed? Right? Don't tell me you can't hear God if your Bible is closed. Because according to 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible is the inspired, it's God's breath. It's the inspired word of God. And it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training. In other words, God speaks through his word. So make sure you're reading the word. You say, well, I don't know how to read or where to read. Well, there are reading plans on the YouVersion app. But, you know, just number one, people, I've been asked many times, Pastor, what do you think is the best version of the Bible to read? Let me give you my profound answer. The one that you will read. Right? Like, I mean, now, I, I'm, I'll, I'll just say it publicly. I would never recommend the, the Passion Translation. If you want to know why, I'll tell you why. It's a long story. Uh, but I don't recommend that. There are translation, the, the New World Translation. I would not recommend that one. There's a few that, that I think you got to stay away from. But most of your translations, if you like NIV, if that makes sense to you. New Living Translation is one I can recommend. New Living Translation is very easy to understand. Uh, I read that a lot of times my own quiet time. I have a New Living Translation study Bible that I like. So the point is, find something and then read. And you say, well, I don't know what to read. Well, the Gospels are a great place to start. Just simply the story of Jesus. You know, read Matthew, read John. You know, John has a lot of kind of high Christology, a lot of theology, Sometimes it, it may be a little bit harder because the way John represents some things, but it's so rich. But you can just read, you know, Mark is a great gospel to start on. It was probably the first gospel written. In fact, I believe it was. Um, and Mark is like in, reading Instagram posts. It's just like, bam! You know what I'm saying? And someone just had a heart attack. I've been wanting to do that all day, y'all. I've been wanting to do that all day. And so, but... um. <laughs> But it just kind of moves because Mark uses this immediately or some versions suddenly, 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 suddenly. And so he just kind of goes through these events that kind of reveal who Jesus is. But find a gospel that you can read um, or start in a psalm or something like that. Just read and God will speak. So God speaks through scripture. Um, and then also we said God speaks through his voice. John 10, 27, I want you to see this verse. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Look at that. My sheep hear my voice. So there it is. And when we talked about the voice of Jesus, remember he said that spirit to spirit. So the way I categorize that is it's kind of an impression, right? In other words, it's kind of like a zip file. Like all of a sudden I receive it and I kind of, that kind of comes with a, man, I, like God's, like I, there's, a, there's a feeling here. I'm not talking about just an emotion, but spiritually there's an impression here. And then it kind of downloads like, man, God's really speaking here, right? 
And so where I'm reading the Bible, I said, through Scripture, I might be reading, and, and God just kind of lifts something off the page, and I know he's speaking to me. This is like something, it's kind of the same thing. Like when I'm reading the Bible, I'll get an impression like, oh, this is coming off the page. This is God speaking. Or maybe I'm just praying, and I feel almost like a spiritual download, everybody. Just, oh, like God's speaking. Like maybe I hear a word. Maybe I, I see some a word. Maybe I see a picture. There's a lot of different ways God may speak in that moment. But it's kind of an impression. It's kind of a spiritual feeling is the way I would say. Um, and then or it could be a thought that I know did not come from me. You know, I've had those moments where I had a thought and I'm like, this did not come from me. This was way too divine for my brain. You understand what I'm saying? This must have been Jesus. So when we're talking about his voice, I want you to think in those terms. So there's scripture, there's his voice, there's counsel, meaning God speaks through other people. In fact, if you're really trying to hear God, put yourself in the right place around the right people. Conversely, some people you get around, they're good if you really want to hear the devil. <laughs> Don't look at anybody. Don't do that in here. But honestly, if you want to hear God, be at, you know, be at church like you are now. Be, a, be in life group. Be around some good spiritual people. Be at prayer like we have prayer tomorrow at 6. We'll be praying uh, for our nation and obviously for Israel. Please continue to pray for Israel. Um, but we'll be praying tomorrow. And be in those environments, but be around people of prayer, people of wisdom, people of the word, because they may say something. You be, I've had this many times. Somebody say, I'm like, ooh, I think God's speaking to me right now. Uh, you know, just that something happened there. In fact, the Bible says in the multitude of counsel, uh, there is safety. Proverbs 15:22 says, without counsel, counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So so be around people. And, and understand this too. Hear, hear me. Be around people that will tell you the truth. Don't surround yourself with people that tell you what you want to hear. I remember when I was a single adult pastor, I had a lot of meetings with my single adults where they had decided to date someone that they knew they shouldn't. I didn't need to tell them that. They just knew. I mean, you know, like, come on, somebody, y'all help me with this. You've, you've, missionary dating, you know, I, he's so cute, I want him to be saved. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's that kind of thing. Just, you know, he's so cute, surely God would accept him, that kind of thing. Man, you know, she's so hot, she has to be on fire for Jesus, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, <laughs> yeah, y'all need to behave. Anyways, um, but they would come sit in my office and make an appointment, and what I'd realize really quickly is they didn't come for counsel, they came for approval, and those aren't the same thing. In fact, I would say, are you here because you just want me to approve of the decision you are going to make or because you're hoping that I will give you godly counsel? So asking for counsel, remember anything. In fact, you could put all of these under this category. When I'm trying to hear God, I'm not trying to get God to tell me to do my will. I'm trying to hear God and discern his will. Are you with me? And so there's counsel. And then also visions and dreams. This one is not one I, I, that God speaks. God does not speak to me in a lot of visions and dreams. I can remember one dream one time that I thought was really from the Lord. But God definitely speaks in visions and dreams. In fact, Job 33, 14 says, For God speaks again and again through people, though people do not recognize it. 
He speaks in dreams and visions of the night when the deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. So here's Job saying God speaks. Sometimes we don't recognize because God speaks in visions and God speaks uh, in dreams. Uh, two great illustrations in the Bible. Joseph had a dream from the Lord. Peter, in Acts, uh, when God is going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, sees a vision from the Lord. So these are ways that God speaks. The, the thing that I want you to understand is that God speaks and you can hear. And when we really... When God is really working, when God wants to move, he begins by speaking. You know, at, at uh, the church we're in, Pathway Church, I remember when I was about 18 years old, 19 years old, when God spoke to me about beginning a church someday. Back then, we didn't call it planting. We called it starting. There wasn't, church planting wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And uh, for years and years and years, I just knew that's what I was supposed to do, but I didn't know when. And then I remember in 2008, in fact, when we filmed the online experience a few weeks ago when we had the Sunday where we couldn't meet because we were between locations, um, when we went out and kind of retraced some of the old places, I took the team, I said, this was the road I was walking on. In fact, if you watch that, the, the, uh, when you see me walking, that's the very place I was walking when God spoke all this. It's kind of an incredible moment for me uh, to go back there, but I remember just... I knew God wanted to do something, but I didn't know what God wanted to do. And so I said, well, God, I, I have to hear you. And I was just walking one day and God began to speak. And he spoke from Exodus 25 where he said, and build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among my people. And, and that is what we've endeavored to do is a place where, where God and people can meet, where God and people can hang out, where God can speak. It's what we're still doing today. But I remember that moment of sensing God wanted to do, but the first thing I knew, the first thing God had to do was speak. Are you with me? So we have to hear God. Here's the second thing. We have to humble our heart. We have to humble our heart. Uh, we see this with Mary because then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word. The humility in this was Mary said, not my will, but yours. Right? Doesn't matter what I have planned, God. It's really about what you want to do. There's a humility that's involved in saying yes to God. Are you with me? And so when God is speaking, we, we've got to decide, am I going to say yes? Am I going to prepare my heart for what God wants to do? God may have spoken, but what if God speaks something differently than I want to hear? What if God wants to do something different than what I have planned? How many are planners? I love you. You are my people. I love a good plan, y'all. But what if God wants to interrupt your plans? What if God wants to do something different? Because you're going to have to humble yourself and say, well, not my will, but okay, God, I'll live for your plan. I'll trust your plan. I mean, I think when Mary was saying yes to the dress, it wasn't a maternity dress. Are you with me? But then, but then the angel shows up and Mary says, hey, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. Humility, listen, humility prepares our hearts for what God wants to do. Humility opens our hearts to God, but it also prepares our hearts for what God wants to do. Look at this, Psalm 10, um, 17. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. Do you see that? You've heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. See, humility seeks the plan of God and submits to the plan of God. Let me say that again. Humility seeks the plan of God 
and humility submits to the plan of God. Humility keeps God at the center. Pride keeps me at the center. Right? So many times, I don't know about y'all, but I don't know if y'all have ever done this. I'm guilty of this. Uh, About once a week, I submit to God different ideas for how my life could go. Like, sometimes I'm guilty of turning prayer into kind of a brainstorming session. Like, God, in case you're wondering, like, here's some ideas. You know, like, I, you know, I just, just like, I throw some things at you, Lord, just in case you're, want, just in case you're not sure how this is supposed to go. I've got some great ideas. Right? But when I do that, too many times I'm at the center of all those great ideas. Right? But humility keeps God at the center. And so humility is going to God saying, God, I'm glad you're moving. I just want to be a part. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. You stay at the center. I'm going to seek your will. I'm going to submit to your will. I want to keep you at the center. I want to remain humble. Um, When we want to prepare our hearts, because it says humility prepares our hearts, is what the psalmist said. So how do we keep our hearts humble? Let me give you three things that I think will keep your heart humble very quickly. Uh, the first one I would say is this, is uh, two of them you have to allow God to do and one you do. So let me give the first that you allow God to do. Number one, allow God to search your heart. Allow God to search your heart. David prayed this in Psalm 139. He said, Lord, search my heart and see if there's anything in my heart that doesn't please you. So how many know our hearts are deceitful and our hearts are not always honest with us and our hearts can mislead us according to the Bible, right? They're deceitful and wicked above anything else, Jeremiah says. So I can't really search my heart because my heart may not be honest with me, but Jesus is always clear on what's going on inside my heart. So I can ask the Holy Spirit to search my heart. So, so allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Here's the second thing. Allow God to cleanse your heart. Allow God to search your heart and allow God to cleanse your heart. David prayed in Psalm 51, created me a clean heart. Meaning, I, you listen, I can't really search my heart and I can't really cleanse my heart. But God can do both of those things. God can search, and then when God finds something, I can open my heart and allow God to cleanse my heart. And here's the third thing that I can do all the time, and that is always incline your heart. Always incline your heart. David said, Psalm 119, 112, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever. In other words, he's talking about the posture of my heart is always open to God's word and what God wants to do. So I have to choose to continually keep my heart open and keep my heart available and keep my heart postured towards the Lord. Um, part of being a pastor is great because you need sermon illustrations. And um, he makes you tell all the bad things about you. So here's probably one of my worst moments as pastor. This was years ago. Uh, we were in, the, in the, the building we just moved out of in that loop, Bill Owens location. And, uh, you know, we got, you know, we got started at a hotel and, you know, and Pathways just always kind of grown. Nothing super amazing. Just always as, as our heart was to reach more people, God's brought more people. And we want to reach, this is where we're at right now. We want to reach more people. We want to love more people. We want to serve more people. This is the gospel. And so we want more people to come. So we make room for more people. And this is what we do. Pathway, come on. It isn't about us. It's about the people we haven't reached yet. Are you with me? And so it can never be about us. It can never be about us. It needs to be about the people God has called us to reach. And so God, you know, the church was growing and God continued to move. And we got to a place 
where um, our services were full and we had a ministry that our church supported. We still support this ministry. Uh, it was a ministry to, to men who were going through life uh, controlling and challenging issues. And still a ministry we support and love. And uh, the person leading it was a friend of mine. And he had said, hey, could, it, could we bring the men to, to church? And I said, absolutely, we'll save seats. And so we saved seats for them. And, um, and so they would bring, you know, 25 men or so. And, uh, and it was a great blessing because those men needed to be in the church. It's also a blessing because as church, we'd gone to two services and, and we wanted to fill in as many seats because you didn't want an empty room, you know, kind of things, weird transition. I don't, it probably doesn't make sense to y'all, but if you're on the pastor side, it does. And so it was a blessing for everybody. Well, then the church began to grow and grow and grow. And pretty soon we were running out of seats in that service, uh, but we had a few seats in the, in the other service. And so I just called him one day because I'm trying to solve a problem because we had people that couldn't get in for service. And I called him and I said, hey, could, could you bring your guys to the other service because we're, we're filling up this service? And, and he was so sweet, so kind. He said, sure, we can do it, Pastor. Well, what I didn't know is he couldn't because of their schedule and, and different things that were outside of anyone's control. It, they either needed to come to that service or they just couldn't come, so they quit coming. Well, I didn't really pay attention to that, but over the next couple of weeks where, where it felt like the church was kind of full of expectancy and faith and vibrance and, you know, all of a sudden it just, everything seemed flat. And all of a sudden, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think I'm the greatest preacher in the world, but it's like I couldn't preach my way out of a wet paper sack if I had a pair of scissors. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it was, it was just, I'm like, Lord, nothing's working. So I went to the Lord and here's what I did. I inclined my heart. And then I said, search me, Lord. And when he, when he did, he came back and he said, I've got something pretty ugly here to show you, but you've sinned. I said, Lord, how have I sinned? He said, I sent these men for you to love on, teach God's word to, and pastor. And you told me you just want to preach God's word to anybody that wanted to hear it. And it didn't matter who they were. And as soon as I blessed the church with people, you moved them out. And I thought, Lord, that wasn't what I was trying to do. But he showed me in my heart, all of a sudden, listen, all of a sudden I'd made it about me and not about him. And I said, Lord, I am so sorry. And so I repented, obviously, to the Lord. I uh, asked him to cleanse my heart. And then I called my friend who ran that ministry. And I said, hey, I need to repent to you. And I repented to him. And I told him that everything. He said, Pastor, I'm so proud of you as pastor. I love you so much. It means a lot. I said, well, I'm not done. I want to come and repent to all your men. And so I went down to their ministry. They got them together, and I went in there and humbled myself because I needed to. And I repented to all those men because James teaches us we don't prefer people in God's house. We don't prefer one over the other in the house of God, and I was guilty of that. And so I say this to say, right after that, man, pathway took off. We had a third service. My point is that when God is wanting to move, we have to hear him. But my point is also we have to keep our heart in a prepared place so God can use us. Are you with me? Here's the third thing. Write this down. Then after all that, you just have to have expectation. If I really believe God's moving, if God's speaking and I'm preparing my heart, then, then I should prepare for what God wants to do. And I should anticipate. Th this, is, this is that... That thing in, in the gospel that constantly says, no matter what, get your hopes up. 
no matter what, like all around, like, I don't know if you know, but, but when Jesus was born, it, there wasn't peace on earth. The Jews were very much, um, they were under Roman authority. They were mistreated and abused. They were subject to people that didn't even like them. There was chaos in the world. So it's nice for us to sing peace on earth, but it was pretty chaotic. But yet God speaks and says, I'm sending my son. And he starts preparing the world. And there is this message and this theme throughout the, the story of the birth of Christ that kind of echoes and resonates in our soul that should say, get your hopes up because God's not finished. Get your hopes up because God's still working. Get your hopes up because God still has a plan. And that's what we see throughout the, the, the story of Christmas or Christ's birth in the Bible. I, I um, Years ago, a, a family in our church went through one of the most devastating things I could ever imagine going through. And, and I've seen a lot. And uh, our church rallied around. We walked through everything with the family. But I remember it was sometime after that, maybe a year or so after that, I got a message from uh, one of the person, the person in the family. And, um, and she asked, she said, you know, you say a lot of times the best is ahead, but do you really believe that? And she was not in any way being disrespectful. This family is very much a part of our church today. She was obviously walking through desperation and looking for hope and purpose and a reason to have hope again and a reason to trust and believe that, that God had greater things ahead and that God was going to do exceedingly abundantly. All those promises that we quote. And so at the time I prayed and, and I said, Lord, I never want to be guilty of, you know, what I'd call pastor word salads where we just make something up that sounds good. <laughs> but Lord, I really want to give an answer. And I gave an answer and the answer basically was, was along these lines. Yes, your best is ahead and here's how I know. Because you're still here, you're still alive and God's still on the throne. And because God is still on the throne, he has a purpose and he has a purpose for you. When I say your best is ahead, I'm not saying you're getting a retirement home on a beach in Maui. That's not your best ahead. Living your best life is not about having no adversity or no problems. The gospel calls us to a fruitful life. The gospel calls us to a life that God works through where God uses finite and frail human flesh to bring about his eternal plan and purpose. And that's the most amazing thing I could ever imagine God doing with any of us is using us in his plan and using us for his purpose. And your presence on this earth tells me God is not finished with you. So I know God's not finished with you and I know God's not finished, which tells me God wants to use you to bring about his purpose and plan. So I can say with all confidence, no matter the devastation, and it was great. I understand, but here's what I can assure you. Your best is ahead because God's not finished. He's not finished with you, and God's still gonna use you in this life to come, and it's gonna be a life of purpose and fruit. So yes, your best is ahead. And so I can tell you, no matter what today looks like or what yesterday felt like or what you have facing tomorrow, if you're here, 
This is the season of Advent. And because the King has come, and because the King is coming, you can get your hopes up. You can have joy. You can have purpose. I I love the Christmas story because it's full of joy. The angels tell Mary to rejoice. Elizabeth says, let's rejoice. The shepherds are told to rejoice. The wise men rejoice with exceeding great joy. Why do we rejoice? Because our hopes are elevated because the king is coming. One of the reasons I felt God leading us this way into this series is because God spoke to us. This was many months ago, earlier in the year. We were in prayer and and God spoke to me. He said, you're going to enter into your most fruitful season as a church. Well, I love to hear that because that means people get saved, uh, you know, families be restored, lives will be changed, you know, we'll, we'll give more money away, you know, fruit, those are those type of things, right? And I get excited, like, praise God, you know, change the world, take over the world, you know, more fruit. And so I heard that word, but I, you know, looking, I didn't see anything different when God spoke the word. It, it, nothing looked, everything looked the same, but yet God had spoken. So what did I do? I began to prepare my heart. And I began to say, God, I want you to use me as you've never used me before. Search me, Lord. If there's anything in me that would keep me from being used in this season, anything at all, Lord, that, that, that you don't like, that would be in the way. I don't want to be my own worst enemy. I don't want to get in the way of what you want to do. So Lord, search me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, let me incline my heart to you because even though I don't see it, you've spoken. And because you've spoken, what I know is your word is a seed and my heart is the soil. And I want to make sure the word takes root in my heart. That's Mark 4, by the way. The parable of the soil. It's called the sower, but it's really about the soils. All right, the soil of our heart. And so I said, God, I I want to be prepared. Well, I still didn't see anything, but I was just trying to be prepared. Then in this summer, Jan and I were headed out of town. And I got a call, and it was from a friend, pastor friend. And uh, he's also a a real estate agent. He said, Pastor, I, I was just, there's this pastor that approached me. He wants to sell a building, and his church wants to move. And I just happened to think about you. I know you are building a new campus. I don't know why. I just thought about you. And I remember getting off the phone and I thought, I I don't know, you know what, this is strange. The elders, God had not spoken to us about moving. God just spoke to us about, he was moving. God spoke to us about a fruitful season and we were trying to prepare, but we didn't know what that was. And I remember telling Jan, I said, I just don't see us moving at this point. We're trying to focus all of our finances on our new campus. and, And I said, but he's a good friend and I'll call him back. And so we got back from vacation. Honestly, I didn't call him. I was on vacation. Bad. Anyways, got back and uh, I called him back and basically he told me the story. And when he told me the story, I just kind of felt that like, I don't know, maybe God's working here. And so I, I told him, I said, could we come look at it? So pastors and I came and looked at it. When we walked in, I thought, man, something about it. I don't know what it is. So I talked to the elders. We looked at it. We prayed. And then it, it became that point where it's like, okay, we really believe this is what God wants to do. Then we kind of met with the church and everybody was like, oh, this sounds amazing. And all of a sudden it all just worked out. And it was things that really shouldn't have worked out, but it just worked out. And, and all of a sudden we went from kind of things looking the same to everything changing. I mean, God has done so much. Our, our, you know, our, you know, most of you know, in October we, we were 
raising finances for the road to be completed. Also, I was teaching on giving. October by far was our greatest tithe month we've ever experienced, probably as a church. It was incredible. And we were able to pay cash for that. We were able to pay cash for the parking lot. We were able to get in the building. Now we're paying cash for another parking lot. And, and, and all of this, and at the same time, I'm seeing all these new people and wonderful people coming. And, and you say, well, where'd all that come from? I don't know. It came from God saying, you're about to enter in the most fruitful season you've seen as a church. And it came from our elders and staff saying, okay, then we want to prepare and we want to prepare our hearts and we want to be ready and we want to anticipate. And I'm already anticipating next year being most, I believe this holiday season is going to be incredible. I think even next year is going to be the most incredible year we've ever experienced as a church. But it comes from this. It comes from the preparation that comes from anticipation. The preparation that comes from anticipation. Here's what I bring in the message to you because I want it to, to get down into your seat as it is. What is it that God may want to do through your life? What is it that God may want to speak to you? How is it that God may want to use your life? Because I believe God wants to use our church, yes. I believe God wants to use all believers, all Christians, all churches. But I believe God wants to use you. And what I'm saying is, if you'll set your heart to hear God, if you'll set your heart and humble yourself and prepare for what God wants to do, and then if you'll walk in expectation. Here's what I learned moving into this building. You should live every day. When you've heard God and you've prepared your heart, you should live every day expecting God to move, expecting God to work, and expecting God to do the impossible and the unthinkable. That's what I learned. Because in a moment, every time you walk in this building, listen to me, every time you walk in this building, you're walking into a miracle that no one saw until all of a sudden we all saw it. Listen, I think God has those type of moments for you in your life. And I want you to be prepared. And if you're anticipating God working, you got to prepare. Amen. Can you give Jesus praise today? Yeah. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.